This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. February 15th, 2023. I almost said 2022. I'm going to get caught one of these days. We have a lot going on here. Some big announcements coming up in the next few days. As everybody here should know, we're going to be at the International Conference on Climate Change with Jay Allen on Friday, February 24th in Orlando. We also uh, have some other stuff going on. We're working on today. Out of the blue, I got a call from somebody who I'm very excited. It'll be the culmination of a 26-year goal. 26 and a half years. So, uh, again, good things come, I guess. Do you think people wait? But I don't want to jinx it. So, what's going on today here in the world? We're going to recap last night. So, last night, a little bit controversial. We were talking about the, uh, uh, what are we calling it? The train derailment in Ohio. And we had covered a lot of material there in a very short amount of time. Uh, we're going to be going a little bit more in-depth uh, with some of this stuff uh, in the next uh, well, in the latter half of the program after we get through some news uh, so I issued I now it's very controversial I get it I had a thing on Instagram and also on Facebook and Twitter today and it's a little bit controversial those four questions but those four questions always have to be asked during a disaster, or even in your workplace. I had spoken to my uncle Dave today, who has a couple of years on me in the environmental industry. Uh, he started late 1970s. Him and my uncle Kenny uh, uh, were basically pioneers in the environmental cleanup field uh, through my uncle Kenny's business, Ken's Marine Service. And uh, they're based out of Bayonne, New Jersey, but they've been on most of the really big jobs out there uh, doing cleanups, the Gulf oil spill. They were also responded to the miracle on the Hudson where the plane crashed onto the Hudson River. And uh, I've been doing their environmental training since about uh, 19, no, no, 1995, roughly. I've been uh, uh, working with them and I really started working with them in 1986 as a no during summer and winter break doing uh, uh, labor type of work for their in, uh, for their business right doing environmental cleanups so that's how long I've been involved in all of this stuff but anyway I digress uh, so those four questions number one is the air safe and it doesn't have to be air it can be water soil what have you number one number two uh, what are you basing that on? Right? Number three is what chemicals are there? Right? What chemicals are there? And number four, did you actually sample for what you're, what's there? Those are the four things. Now, that fourth question, is, you know, 
almost every time that gets uh, the safety person, the public health person, the emergency uh, response folks, uh, people, things of that nature, that last question gets them because usually, I'm going to tell you, more times than not, they don't sample. More times than not. There's no uh, types of uh, uh, calculations, sampling, anything like that to make those determinations. So uh, what are some of the things I've heard over the years? Uh, I, I, again, these are from safety professionals. Mercury is not a hazard because you can't smell it. And this is from a safety person. And you learn, and hey, Mercury, hey, uh, dude, so you're always a man that does this, very rarely a woman. And it's, hey, uh, you, uh, you know, you do realize mercury vapor is odorless? Oh. Uh, 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 uh. Hydrogen sulfide can't hurt you because it only smells at the beginning and not at the end. Oh, well, you do know that uh, hydrogen sulfide is an olfactory inhibitor and it numbs out the nose, that sort of thing. Oh, 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 well, who told you that? Really? Uh, asbestos is a mineral. It's natural. Can't hurt you. You hear this. Uh, okay, well, what about air sampling? Let's talk about air sampling. So with air sampling, you're, uh, uh, you, so let's, you're, you're, let's say you're doing, in the workplace, personal sampling. Right, where this is where you're going to actually wear an air sampling device, whether it's a pump and a filter medium. So we're familiar with 37 millimeter mixed cellulose ester cassettes, coconut charcoal tubes, uh, XAD tubes, uh, you know, fluorescent tubes, PVC filters, open face cassettes. We're we're all familiar with that. We're all supposed to be safety professionals here, and you're doing it for one job activity. Right, you're doing it for one job activity. So let's say that you're doing crystalline silica sampling, and you're doing it for jackhammering, right? And now you're going to take that, and you're going to be using, and you're going to be doing a demo saw. You're going to be using a demo saw. Walk behind. Guess what? The sampling from that jackhammering does not apply to the uh, walk behind saw. Right, so because it's a different activity. So what do people, what do companies do? Because restful crystalline silica sampling could get a little bit pricey. And because they got you by the uh, gonads, basically, when you're sampling this stuff. So uh, with the amount of sampling and everything else, you have to do the industrial hygiene-related stuff. So what do, pe what do people uh, do, right? So uh, they say, well, we, it's good for jackhammering, and that gives a lot more stuff than the walk-behind saw, so therefore, uh, if one's good, the other one's good. That's not the way it works. You see it with lead, lead removal, lead-based paint removal, where someone is going out there and they're abrasive blasting. We're not allowed to say sandblasting anymore unless it really is sand. They're out there doing abrasive blasting. Now they're doing something different, right? Oh, well, one is good, uh, you know, now we're, we're going to be using a paint remover. Well, guess what? That's a different exposure. Can one doesn't apply to the other. Same thing goes with 
the public health uh, type thing. So we're uh, sampling for this stuff. What kind of sampling are they doing? Are they doing OSHA sampling, OSHA-related sampling, or are they doing EPA methodologies? They're not equal, right? They're not equal, right? So this is where it comes down to with uh, the type of sampling. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We also went into types of uh, toxicological terms and the kinds of things that chemical effects that chemicals could have on you. So we have, uh, I, I left one out. I always leave one out, right? Because it's, uh, because it's uh, one that I always forget about. I'll be honest with you. Again, I do this usually without notes. So you have an additive effect, right? And that is when you put two chemicals together and they give you uh, uh, the effects, right? like an addition, an additive, like an addition. So the action occurs when the combined effort of two or more chemicals is equal to the sum of the effect of each of the agents given alone, right? And they, and they don't react in a direct way. So think of it as two plus two equals four, right? When we're going to equate it to math, right? Then you have what is called potentiation. And this effect happens when one substance does not normally have a toxic effect, uh, and it's added to another chemical, making the second chemical much more toxic. So zero plus two, right, is, uh, might be uh, right, uh, greater than two, right? So you're going to have one chemical, harmless, you mix it with another one, now you're going to have something worse. Then you can have an antagonistic effect, and that is you add two chemicals together, and they're not as bad, Right? And then you have a synergistic effect where you add two, two or more chemicals together and it makes it worse. So uh, what are some of the common things that I see? Uh, there is a, uh, uh, a uh, and this was all in a study of a, a hazardous waste site in New Jersey. And we talked about why New Jersey has all these identified hazardous waste sites last week. Uh, but anyway, they, uh, it was called the Horseshoe Road uh, uh, Superfund site. If you've gone, quote, unquote, to the Jersey Shore and you went through Middlesex County, you had gone over what is called the Driscoll Bridge, which I worked, was on the build crew when they rebuilt it a number of years ago. So you go over the Driscoll Bridge and you look to the west in New Brunswick, all right? Towards uh, New Brunswick, and you're going to see national lead right there. And they had just recently finished that cleanup over there. And they used to have a nice big green retention basin there and everything else for years. And right next there was a place called Horseshoe Road, super fun site, where they used to take, recycle, and recover heavy metals and precious metals. How do they do this? They used to take, uh, uh, take uh, uh, reportedly, right, take circuit boards, put them in vats of acids and solvents. And so the uh, uh, metals would settle out and they you know, and would, and all these solvents would dissolve the circuit boards and you recover everything else and everything, recover all the metals and you dump everything out. Well, everything there was a liver toxin, what, liver toxin. What they found out was that a lot of the people there had alcohol problems. 
Now, where is alcohol metabolized in uh, your body? Uh, it, it rhymes with sliver. It's liver, right? So now you have the added effect of a liver toxin, right? Uh, uh, alcohol plus what you're plus what they got at work. This is why, my friends, you always do f- physicals when you're dealing with people with uh, 1910-120 jobs, hazardous waste site jobs. This is one of the reasons why you do physicals is that people have this situation going on, all right, with that. So uh, that's uh, basically what we covered last night. Let's talk about tonight, all right, and we're going to come back to this uh, with this. All right. Uh, okay. And we're going to go right to the... Right on over to the, to where is it? Uh, the markets today. And we'll start with precious metals. Gold is up today. Uh, 1845.50, up slightly. Silver, up slightly. 2189, platinum up slightly. 933, even. Palladium at 1506.50. Going on to the other markets, Dow Jones Industrial uh, closed at 34,128, up slightly. S&P 500 up slightly, 41,47,60. Nasdaq is up 12,70,59. Russell 2000, 1960,97. U.S. 10-year Treasury note as closed at 3.807. Bitcoin is up at 24,61980. What up 1%. Oil is down, crude oil is down slightly, 78.55. So that's what we got for the uh, markets. So uh, let's do a quick update on the war. Military analysts expect the war in Ukraine to enter a decisive phase in spring as Ukraine and Russia prepare to launch offensives. All right, so what could it look like? It could not look good for anybody involved. There's been reports that the, uh, uh, I almost said Soviet, that the Russians have fielded 97% of their uh, uh, army out there. And that's why they're relying on new conscripts for that. All right, well, we'll see what happens there. All right, uh, there were also... Uh, planes from Norway that chased away uh, Russian fighters from the Polish border. So they got all different types of stuff going on over there. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit upsetting here. Uh, And because right now, I I don't know about other parents, I guess my parents went through the same thing with us during the Cold War. Now, once you start to get to like 10 years old or so, you start becoming more and more aware. And when you're have a mother who listens to talk radio constantly from the time that you're about four years old and even before that, uh, you know, on that old Gilligan's Island uh, AM radio, we had it. We had it up until uh, about 1979. Then it fell apart. So uh, now balloons all over the place. Kiev says it shot down a Russian balloon over the Ukraine's capital. 
I'm having, I'm getting from all the information we're seeing out there, I have a feeling that all these balloon incidents are pretty common and everybody has one. As I had mentioned last night, we had, uh, uh, during the 1990s, we had uh, a lot of uh, UFO sightings. And guess what? UFOs are in the news here. They're supposed to give some announcements this week and, you know, whatever. There's a lot of news on that. I I don't really want to get into it. But in the Hudson Valley in the 1990s, mid-1990s, and at least some of them were from people launching weather balloons here. So it's, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, it is what it is. So uh, Kiev says it shot down a balloon. I don't know, maybe they're getting on this balloon bandwagon. Well, hey, we could shoot down balloons too. I don't know. I hope that's all it is. Uh well, they have a picture of it here. So it's got reflectors on it. Balloons with radar reflectors seen over Kiev region were launched by Russia as decoys to deplete and distract the Ukrainian air defense. I guess that's one way to do it. This one's from Study Finds. Pentagon reportedly planning a new weapon of mass destruction, a horde of missile-carrying drones. As the U.S. military deals with a seemingly endless invasion of unidentified objects in the skies. The Pentagon. Oh, I don't know what that was. Okay, some other channel came in. All right, as the U.S. military deals with a seemingly endless invasion of unidentified flying objects in the skies, the Pentagon is reportedly planning to develop a new weapon of mass destruction. Just when you thought we had all the weapons of mass destruction, we could. Hordes of air, land, and sea-based drones. Some calling it the Swarm of Swarms. Right? Right? Instead of like the King of Kings, which was a very popular Jesus movie back in the day. uh, With, uh, who was it? Uh, Was it Gregory Hunter from Star Trek? The original Captain Pike played uh, Jesus in that movie. But anyway... With some calling it the Swarm of Swarms, the program's reported development is raising ethical and security concerns. The top secret strategy envisages automated, coordinated attacks by many types of unmanned machines. Critics suggest management of these machines will be difficult, raising the prospect of lethal force without direct oversight. Now, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is Terminator 3 Judgment Day. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine at church. And I said... I said, I won't mention his name, but he said, yeah, I worked out at such and such a place. I said, well, what do you do there? He says, I work for the government. And I said, well, what do you mean? Uh, Well, he says, I can't tell you. I said, okay. He said, well, I can give you a little bit of an idea. I said, okay. I said, watch Terminator 3 Judgment Day. I said, he said, you see the, uh, uh, some of the technology in there? I'm not going to specify which one. He said, said, yeah. He said, well, Something along those lines. Don't think that that was uh, based on complete baloney. And then before you know it, we have all these drones out there. So, uh, again, now this brings into mind uh, Isaac uh, Asimov's uh, rules of uh, robotics here, right? And which we all learned uh, when we were uh, way back in the day, right? And there's a lot of criticism on them, but guess what? 
uh, laws of robotics, the three laws. A robot may not injure a human being or through interaction allow a human being to come to harm. A robot must obey the orders given it by human beings except where such orders would conflict with the first uh, law. And the third law, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. They were memorialized in the book uh, I, Robot, and... Uh, there's another law here. It's called Zeroth. A robot may not harm humanity or by inaction allow humanity to come to harm. The reason why that these things were all brought together in uh, the early 1960s was that uh, all, no, uh, all, a lot of scientific writing in the 1940s, 50s, and early 60s had to do with mad robots overcoming their and destroying their creators. So... He felt that, hey, yeah, we're, you know, this is uh, like not a good thing. But uh, anyway, I'm trying. I have a camera going here. Yes, we're going, we are practicing with a camera because we're very shortly going to be doing this uh, live uh, via a couple of other social media platforms and media platforms. So uh, basically, uh, you know, this was uh, basically... There and you know when we see these robots and now no there's uh, stuff on uh, robots all over the place here right with uh, uh, automated robots right police using robots and everything else uh, this stuff becomes relevant after a certain while my opinion at least uh, where are we going here there's no thought behind it we're going to program a robot to kill or maim or destroy. And there's no human being involved in this. I mean, this is a, a running theme in science fiction for a long time, uh, right? Uh, one of them, now we used to laugh, right? It was a comedy, uh, I believe, uh, right, with uh, Gregory Hines, God rest his soul. And uh, I believe it was uh, Chevy Chase in the movie Best Defense back in... Uh, the 1980s, where Chevy Chase plays an arms dealer, and Gregory Hines, uh, you know, is a pilot, and they have drone. Uh, he's competing with a drone uh, fighter, right? Ah, oh, well, that's far fetched. That's baloney. That's blah, blah, blah. we'll never get that advanced. Well, guess what? Now we're there with the drone technology. So uh, it sucks, right? Okay, here we have a central uh, central Texas school district fights to save students from fentanyl poisoning. A billboard in Kyle, Fee, right? So here we have a central uh, Texas school district. This is from the Epoch Times. Has waged war against fentanyl, deadly illicit drug that is infiltrating nearly everyone across the town. Now, I don't know of a family that has not had an issue here with fentanyl in one way or another or a drug overdose, uh, especially since the beginning of the pandemic. Literally, we have uh, family members, friends of family members, and things of that nature uh, dying of drug overdoses from fentanyl, unintentional, right? Uh and there's talk here of making this stuff over the counter, right? And educating. But this is what it comes down to. Can you, right? Can you uh, 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 compete? I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Can you compete? Can words, can ideas compete with the allure of these illicit drugs? That's what. 
that's really what it comes down to. Right? My uh, son just finished the D.A.R.E. program. The D.A.R.E. program uh, started back, I believe, in the early 1990s. And you, right, they teach all these strategies. A lot of schools have that, but we still have drug problems. How effective is it? I don't know. It wears off. It's maybe good for uh, up to a certain age. But then once you start to get into middle school and high school, these drugs become available. Uh, everyone who I've known who has had a drug problem, they started, they didn't start when they were 23 or 24 years old, even though that does happen, right? They started 13, 14, 15 years old doing drugs. And, uh, uh, now, what can you do? I mean, it, uh, it sucks. Just say no is easy. I tell you what, the people who are screaming and yelling, just say no, a lot of them should just say no to donuts, Right? And you know, I hate to, I'm not shaming people here, but this is what it is. That's not my intention. But the thing is, it's like that. It's like food. It's like junk food. You got to have it. How do you compete with that? And then once you get into the cycle of behavior, you got to break that cycle of behavior. Very difficult. Extremely difficult on all of this stuff. Uh, schools are where it needs to happen. But no, what do, what do I teach? Right? What's my little contribution here? One of the reasons why I set up Safety Wars is because I have a love affair with my family and friends. I love them. One of the things that I tried to do is I tried to, I tried to uh, tell people how to manage stress. I tell people how to avoid bullying. Right? I try to train people in this. How do you know when someone's lying to you? We talk about the rules for radicals here from Saul Alinsky's, how it applies to workplace. So those rules can also apply to everything else going on out there with being bullied, with being, uh, uh, you know, uh, with uh, being bullied, being manipulated, being everything else out there. So what happens is you end up going on. Uh, you know, you, you start to learn those, you start to recognize behaviors and now you know how to respond to them or avoid them in your own way. And that's what my contribution is here to this. Uh, here we have speaking about media manipulation. Where is the article here? Study shows striking number of people who believe news misinforms. This is a survey released by Gallup today and the Knight Foundation, not Knight Industries. The Knight Foundation, Knight Industries is from uh, Knight Rider, right? David Hasselhoff, Kit. All right, the Knight Foundation. The survey uh, released by uh, goes beyond others that have shown a low level of trust in the media to the startling point where many believe there is an intent to deceive. Well, again, this is one of the purposes of this program is don't be manipulated. I got to record this. Don't be manipulated. Be educated. Right? Because we have all this information available now, if the news does not include that, all that news, all the data in there, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are being deceptive. Sometimes it does. Believe me, I did a ma uh, 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 my master's project in graduate school was on that specific thing all right it does happen how uh, depending on the issue 
However, not all the time. You got to realize something. News, we have a one-hour monologue here, basically. Sometimes we have interviews, but I essentially have a one-hour monologue. We cover a lot of information. Just because I don't go into depth on some things doesn't mean I'm trying to deceive. I have to hold an audience. News has to hold an audience. News has, right, everybody wants everything in 90 seconds. That's right, uh, a lot of... Uh, uh, I think, well, Jim, you talk too much. We want things in 90 seconds. And what I, uh, so the other day I got a technical question from a uh, person, right? Dear friend of mine. And uh, she says, well, she had a question. And I said, well, there's, that's a three part answer to that thing. I gave her the three things. She said, now I know about a hundred times more than what I wanted to know about that. Well, yeah, well, you know, I can't give you a, a groove no answer here. And I think this is what's going on over here with the uh, whole thing in Ohio. So we're going to take, oh, let me cover this one more story because it's related to what we talk, spoke about last week on that program that did not record. So now I have three things going on here, three things recording the program, right? Building more capacity. I should know I'm a safety guy. I should know more capacity means safer, right? So Nikki Haley launched her campaign, and I'm going to bring this up with every one of these candidates that launches a campaign. Nikki Haley launched her campaign for the Republican presidential nomination on Wednesday with a call for generational change in Washington and a rejection of what she derided as identity politics, dividing the United States. Speaking from the historic coastal city of Charleston, the former South Carolina delegate governor and UN ambassador struck themes intended to resonate with Republican voters she will court as the first major GOP challenger to former President Donald Trump. Now, she should know, right, she was governor. She should have an idea, at least, on how to run a campaign, I would think. I, I think that she's probably using the same consultants, the same volunteers, the same friends, the same donor lists and everything for this act because you start with your warm market. Now, as I said last week, between we have a certain number of counties, I forget the number, it's like 3,200. You have 50 states, and if you want to count all of the jurisdictions, you're going to run a campaign, it's 57. With the uh, with uh, uh, no, our uh, territories, it's like 57, like American Samoa, Puerto Rico, uh, 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 Marshall Islands, uh, Guam and all these other uh, U.S. Virgin Islands, right, including St. John's, St. Thomas, all of those territories have to uh, have, right, a convention, right, and for the nominee. And this is where uh, they'll have conventions and they, and they nominate people in there. And what, what, does, what does it come down to? A presidential campaign needs two things, money, and it needs volunteers spread out through the entire United States, at least one in every county. So they could go to the county conventions so they could get on the ballot, so they could get the good ballot position at the county convention or whatever jurisdiction you have in there. So... Because this is what happens. The first column in there usually is the endorsement of the party, Democrat or Republican. You need that thing because this is what happens. Oh, party vetted this person. Party said X, Y, and Z. First line, 
Some people just go down there, click, 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 or ding, 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 ding. Okay, first person. For both parties do this, right? So unless she has, uh, so this is what you want to do. You want to find out if she has a serious campaign? Wait until about, uh, you go and you look up the primaries and you find out when the primaries are, all right? Then you find out when the filing deadlines are for those primaries or caucuses, whatever your system your state is in. And if they miss the deadline, that means they're not a uh, they're not a credible candidate. I've seen it time and time and time again. That's a little bit inside baseball for you. So uh, we'll be going through this. So Nikki Haley has uh, 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 nominated, and uh, no, as these uh, people come up, we'll be covering them more. And I'm not gonna no. Jay Allen was busting my chops. He says you don't talk about uh, politics, but you had a half an hour show on politics. I said, yeah, that's correct, you know, but I don't talk about politics. I'm not, I haven't endorsed anybody here. Uh, if you know me, you know who, you know, my opinions on all of this stuff, but, you know, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to tell you again what is our, one of our focuses. Do not be manipulated, be informed, right? The Ohio, so here we have uh, Ohio town takes derailment questions and state considers suing. This is from the AP. The Ohio village upended by a freight uh, train derailment and intentional burning of some hazardous chemicals on board invited affected residents to a meeting Wednesday evening to discuss lingering questions. That is why I released the Instagram thing this morning and I was talking about it last night. Share that with those four questions. You share it with anybody in Ohio. And maybe you want to keep it on file. Or what you could do is you could hire us, Safety Wars, JCP Technical Services, to give you outreach training in disaster response. And we'll go into a lot of this stuff in that. We are authorized trainers for disaster response workers. Authorized by who? Department of Labor. But Norfolk Southern, the rail operator, did not join what was billed as an open house gathering of local, state, and federal officials because of safety concerns to their staff. Unfortunately, after consulting with community leaders, we have become increasingly concerned about the growing physical threat to our employees and members of the community around this event, stemming from the increasing likelihood of the participation of outside parties. The railroad said in a statement reported by WEWS-TV, the meeting came amid continuing concerns about the huge plumes of smoke persisting order. Well, it sounds like uh, I probably wouldn't have attended either because uh, my attorney would probably say, don't go to that thing and let me be the spokesperson. Right? Right, Jordan? That's what you would do. So, Jordan's my attorney. But anyway. Uh, so, uh, blah, blah, blah. Here we go. Good do. All right. Locals in Ohio train derailment area advised to drink bottled water. So drone footage shows the freight train derailment in right in this, and wow, that is a massive one. Ohio officials have urged some locals living near the train derailment site in East Palestine to only use bottled water amid concerns over the potential health impacts of hazardous chemicals that spilled into the Ohio uh, River. Right? 
that's really Ohio, and, and as others were drained from the train cars and burned off, Ohio, Ohio Governor Mike Devine told a press conference Tuesday that the pollution did not pose a serious threat to the 5 million people or so who rely on the Ohio River for their drinking water. Remember, they're not going out there with a five-gallon bucket and putting it into your water system. This goes through treatment. This goes through testing. I was uh, 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 very good friends with a local person here who did work for the water company, and she took me through the whole process. And uh, with this, there's an ex- and uh, my undergraduate work dealt with water resources, so we got no, we learned all about water treatment and everything else. I worked at a couple of water treatment plants over the years as a consultant. I mean, this stuff gets tested, this gets cleaned, and everything else. And that, and unlike years gone by, they actually release uh, under local right to know style laws. They release all of the uh, results annually, or you can get them sooner. So, for example, I had cadmium uh, poisoning. You're like, yeah, Jim, you had everything, right? Cadmium poisoning. Yeah, I actually had uh, cadmium poisoning. And I had to go, and no, being the person I am, I said, well, that's pretty uh, weird that I would have that. So I actually went and I did a little bit of research and I called up the uh, local water official here uh, and uh, the person who handles that. And lo and behold, she was a classmate of mine from graduate school. And I said, oh, you went to NJIT too? And she said, her name. She said, I thought I knew, I recognized the name. I said, yeah, I thought I, yeah same there. And they'll give you all the air, water sampling results. <laughs> now, what, the, what were, I was able to uh, do the half-life of cadmium in my system. I was able to go back and figure out, and it was right before I went for an annual physical for a hazmat job, I and uh, I had had a very large uh, uh, meal that of uh, fish, right? Specifically sashimi and sushi the night before, right? And uh, that uh, was probably what did it, was bad fish. So, uh, you know, all of this stuff is out there, all right? Uh, do do let's go. I have some other stuff here that I'll go into if we run out of time. So, I am, I went to the Ohio Environmental Protection Agency. You know what? Let me take a break here. Give my voice a break. I'm starting to cough, and I'll be right back at you in a minute. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including... Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, 
and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. Safety Wars is streaming now. SafetyFM.com. Catastrophic losses. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. Okay, we are back here. So I took the liberty of going to the Ohio Environmental Protection Agency website, and lo and behold, they do have some sampling results they released yesterday. And, uh, Last week for some surface sampling results. So we're going to run through these real quick. These are labeled, this is right off of epa.ohio.gov backslash monitor dash pollution backslash pollution dash issues backslash east dash Palestine or Palestine. I'm from New Jersey. It's Palestine. Out there they say Palestine. Sort of like, uh, is it, I, I went out to Kentucky and I was looking for, and this is before GPS and everything else. And I pulled over into a gas station and I said, hey, how do I get to Versailles? And the guy looks at me, walks around the front of the, uh, the, front of the uh, truck and looks at the license plate and he says, it's called Versailles. I said, oh, you knew I was from New Jersey. But anyway, okay, preliminary results from East Palestine, public drinking water, right? So this is uh, from February 15, 2023, the analytical report here. And it's only a preliminary report. So let's look at some of the uh, analysis here. We won't go into all of it because it's rather extensive. So we're looking at dienbutyl phthalate, uh, laboratory contaminant is what I see. Carbon, uh, right? Above, above. J qualifier, laboratory contaminant, laboratory contaminant. And we're going into everything else here. I'm looking at this live here, guys. Okay, let's get to the executive summary here. And I just had it. And we have all the raw data up here. And let's see if we have a conclusions. I'm sorry about these folks, but this is, this just came out here. We have 28 pages of sampling results here. And from what I could see, there's really nothing there. I mean, they're available online. You can go look them up. Uh, everything seems to be... Well, stuff not related at all to this, from what I could see just from uh, my 1,000-foot overview of everything. All right? And this is what it is. Uh, these preliminary results we have received so far confirm that, as Mayor Conaway has said... There is no indication of risk to East Palestine public water customers. Future updates will be posted as information becomes available. Okay, if that's true, 
Then why is the uh, governor saying to drink bottled water? Out of over an abundance of caution, maybe? I don't know. Now let's talk about bottled water. All right. Bottled water. We have one uh, supplier of bottled water in central New Jersey that gets one truckload of water from uh, many states away, brings it in. And they go and they bottled it here in New Jersey and they mix it in with regular tap water. And because that the tap water is in not worse condition than the uh, water coming out from the out of state, they are now able to call it spring water, right? That's the way the laws are. So don't think that you're going to be drinking bottled water and it's going to be 100% pure as the ocean spring, right? Or anything like that. Uh, or ocean spring, listen to me, as the mountain spring, sorry, ocean spring will be salt water, ha, ha, ha. All right, here we have one with uh, Ohio River sampling data. Again, it's uh, they listed a VOC data from uh, groundwater contamination, and all the, all the things that are in there that they had rele- uh, released are VOCs. Should be able to be picked up by, uh, by, uh, 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 no regular VOC sampling, but uh, they broke it out into uh, two different samples here. All right. Uh, they broke in three different uh, analytes, butyl acrylate, VOCs, and vinyl chloride. And this is from uh, the uh, river sampling, right? And uh, what, no, uh, as we previously said, a lot of the drinking water comes from the Ohio River. So we have, uh, I'm racing through here, uh, this week, right, on the, starting on the 13th, right, uh, everything's non-detect from the 13th on. Before that, you have little blips here or there and everything else. And you have a nice map here and everything else. But water sample uh, results in the Ohio River, by the Ohio River Water Valley uh Valley Sanitation Commission indicate the chemical butyl acrylate is present in the plume. So there was some released into the water supply, but decreasingly significantly as trace amounts travel downriver with recent results showing a high of 2.6 parts per billion. 2.16 parts per billion. All data collected was well below the level of concern of 560 parts per billion, and no vinyl chloride has been detected in the Ohio River. And they have a map of sampling locations. So you go through here, and everything's like uh, for, here, this is what I have, butyl acrylate. The high was 4.4 at Grimm's Bridge, right? I'm sorry, and at Lock 57 Park at 12.5 parts per billion, and those were on 12-2-8-2023. Now, when was this derailment? It was on 2-3, I think it was. So they didn't manage to go out there and start sampling for some reason until a couple of days later. Hmm. I'm not into conspiracy theories, but they might not have been able to do it earlier, for all I know, Right. Surface water sampling. Water quality sampling taken February 10th shows very low levels of two contaminants, butyl acrylate and ethyl hexyl acrylate in Leslie Run, which dissipates quickly and no defects detects of butyl acrylate in North Fork, Little Beaver Creek, 
or Little Beaver Creek. There was much lower level of ethyl hexyl-acrylate found in North Fork Little Beaver Creek River. Whew, that's a lot to say. Little Beaver Creek did not have any ethyl hexyl-acrylate. No vinyl chloride has been detected in any form in these waterways. Sulfur Run flows into Leslie Run, which flows into blah, 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 blah. The water quality in Sulphur Run continues to be impacted because an impoundment was created on February 8th when Sulphur Run was rerouted using a dam and pump to isolate the area contaminated by the train derailment. This ensures no additional contaminants would move downstream and allows con contractors uh, to focus on removing the contaminants from the section of Sulphur Run River and... Future updates will be posted within 24 to 48 hours of receipts. So let's look at the uh, surface water sampling data from the 10th. And it's rather extensive here. We're looking at 243 pages. I'm not going through all 243 pages on, uh, on uh, the internet, but uh, you could go and you can look them up. So here we have the EPA has uh, issued, uh, has a uh, web page apparently from this. So now we are dealing with, uh, blah, blah, blah. this is the update. On the evening of February, this is from today, today's update. On the evening of February 14th, US EPA have completed 459 homes. That have been screened with two with twenty-eight scheduled for today. The total drinking water wells sampled to date is twenty-one. EPA community air monitoring continues throughout the community. Right? And going through there. Right? And this is from the fourteenth, yesterday. Right? On the evening of February thirteenth, US EPA discontinued air monitoring for phosgene and hydrogen chloride community air monitoring after the fire was extinguished on February eighth. The threat of vinyl chloride fire producing phosgene and hydrogen chloride no longer exists. Let's go on down to February eighth. The U this February eighth update. All right, and we can read this. This is not uh so bad. This is what's got everybody in a tizzy here. February 7th, let's go down to. During Norfolk Southern's control burn yesterday of rail cars containing vinyl chloride, U.S. EPA air monitoring detected particulate matter resulting from the fire. The U.S. EPA air monitoring did not detect chemical contaminants of concern in the hours following the control burn. Residents in the area and tens of miles away smell may smell odors coming from the site. This is because the byproducts of controlled burn have a low odor threshold, meaning that it's not a lot to smell them. This means people may smell these contaminants at levels much lower than what is considered hazardous. U.S. EPA continues to perform air monitoring in the community. This is on February 7th. All right. This is February 5th, right? U.S. EPA uh, readings to not detect any contaminants of concern other than particulate matter, right, on here. Additionally, low levels of VOCs and nitrogen dioxide have been detected within the active work zones. Initial air sample results are expected by February 8th, with additional samples being shipped off to a contract lab for analysis. So this is basically what it comes down. I mentioned those four questions, but it looks like that they got all of their ducks in a row here. Uh, with this, what they, what they were sampling for, uh, at least in the areas here. So 
be be pleasantly surprised with uh, that. Now, whether or not it's a controlled burn or not, that was the uh, this was the uh, appropriate or not. I tell you what, to clean, do a cleanup like this, very dangerous to uh, it's very dangerous to uh, 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 workers with this. Extremely dangerous. Why? You got to wear PPE. They're probably in what's called level B, which is supplied air and non uh, and a non-vapor uh, uh, resistant suit, right? Uh, with that, uh, it's also, uh, it, you know, initially they have to go in there in level A. It's a Herculean task to manage this stuff manually. So the decision to do an open burn on this might have, no probably would have been a decision that most of us in the field would have uh, uh, supported on this. Uh, sorry, I hate to say that here. And if the sampling could be uh, 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 trusted here, which I think it can be, uh, it's probably you know this no again probably not a, a good. No, probably a good thing. Now, there's some other commentary issued today on all of this stuff. Uh, so I had mentioned last night that they usually have manifests and what is called a UN symbol on the side of the uh, 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 rail calls, rail cars, and there's a label on there. That's been my experience in dealing with this, right, in the oil industry and everything else. Apparently, for whatever reason, there was not a legal requirement to have those here, and Reportedly, I don't know if this is true or not. Again, everything here is alleged based on public data, based on my experience, based on some common sense, based on a lot of other things, right? That, uh, you know, I think we're doing we're doing pretty good here, right? I think we're doing pretty good. I, and this is all my commentary here is uh, from publicly available data. And everyone's innocent till proven guilty. All this stuff gets litigated, all this stuff and everything else that goes into it. So I don't know where this is going to end up on here with this. And there's been some criticism of prior administrations uh, with this, presidential administrations, uh, and, uh, no, a lot of finger pointing and blame and everything else. And as we all know, there was a, uh, strike was averted in this, uh, of what's, uh, rail lines. Did that have an, a, uh, operational impact there? I don't know. It might be. And again, I'm reading, uh, Sidney Decker's, uh, uh, book on human error, right? This could be human error and it could be human error for a whole bunch of stuff. That doesn't mean that there's a nefarious thing going on here or anything else. Calmer and cooler heads have to prevail. Logic, common sense, uh, information, not manipulation, has to prevail here. All right? And uh, again, you know, what, uh, what are we, you know, with everything else going on here, this is an unwelcome distraction here. So let's keep an, our eye on the ball. There's a lot going on out there, a lot of moving parts, as uh, one of my friends always says. There's always, Jimmy, you always have a lot of moving parts in what you do. There's a lot of moving parts in everything that we're doing here, fighting that there's safety war with you and on your behalf here. So uh, uh, and that's what I wanted to really share with you. How much time do I have left on here? Because this clock is all...
internet-based. So we have four and a half minutes left here. So I wanted to uh, thank everybody for the support that we're getting here. Uh, I think this is our 190th program, which means we're coming up to program 200 uh, here. And as uh, Jay Allen had said when we first uh, started this whole thing that we call Safety Wars, is that we... uh, Pardon me, I got uh, green tea going here. Uh, People don't realize this is actual work talking out here for an hour and doing the prep time and everything else. That's why most podcasts uh, only last 10, maybe 20 episodes. And most live programs don't last that long because it is work and uh, stress and everything else. And as you know, you know, we have lives out here. Jay Allen can't do his show all the time. I can't do my show all the time. We have client needs that come up, emergencies that come up. Uh, with me, I had a lot of family issues, as everybody's aware of, in the last two years with two deaths in the family. It's not easy. And people don't realize that this is a job. And during the uh, uh, lockdowns and uh, the pandemic, a lot of safety professionals were out of work. And they went back to work. And there are names, some that you've heard of, some you haven't heard of, that went out there, did podcasting, and got a little bit of experience, and then they went away uh, because everything else went on. But we're here. I mean, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, uh, we are working on sponsors right now. We have uh, one uh, right now. We're working on interviews. Just go on over on getting people to interview. Just mosey on over to our website, www.safetywars.com. Drop me a line, and we'll talk. I'll put you on for the whole hour if you want, depending on what the topic is and what we're talking about. And, uh, you know, don't worry. I don't fight. So we're out here fighting that safety war. And I wanted to let everybody know we'll see you tomorrow night. Uh, Just FYI, I am doing a forklift training class tomorrow all day. So we do forklift training. So uh, that's what we do. If you have any needs, give us a call, 845-269-5772, or drop me a line at jim, J-I-M, at safetywords.com. Follow us on social media and uh, on Instagram uh, as Jim Polzel, J-I-M-P-O-E-S-L. And, uh, no, we're all there. And visit us on our website, and you'll be able to uh, interact with us. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Pozel. Whoa, oops, wrong button. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.